Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. It is once again time for the Word on Wednesday, where we have been journeying through the book of 1 Samuel and just enjoying a great time in the Lord. I'm happy to be with you tonight. I am Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries. A lot of W's there, isn't it? And this is our study in 1 Samuel entitled Transition to Transformation. We have been diligently plowing through this, um, this study and have, um, we've learned a lot. We've learned, first of all, that God has a plan. And he has a plan for uh, bringing us into the very image of Christ. And I want to tell you that the more we study, the more that I see God working, his hand working in my life. And I really, really pray that those of you who have joined in with us see the hand of God working in your life as he molds and makes us and shapes us. The things that are happening in the life of a Christian are not happenstance. The tests that we take, the all of the things that we go through, they just are not happening willy-nilly, but they have been ordained of God. The Word of God teaches us that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And as we have studied this book of 1 Samuel, one thing that really stands out is how God orders our steps, places us in positions where we have to make decisions based on our faith in him, and then the consequences of our decisions. And one of the things that we have seen over the past months is the consequences of the decisions that have been made by both David and Saul. And last week, we saw David making a decision to leave Judah and go into the land of the Philistines. And as we discussed it last week, one of the things that that we talked about was, why did David make that decision? And we came to the conclusion is that it was a decision based out of necessity that David was now so concerned about what would happen to his wives and his children, and the, and he was concerned for the lives of the fo- his followers. And he came to the conclusion that if we don't get out of here, sooner or later, Saul is going to catch me. And the only way that we're going to stop him from coming after us is to leave the land of Judah. And so he goes over and makes the decision. He goes over into 
the Philistine land. He goes over into Gath with Achish, the king of the, one of the kings of the Philistines, and he secures a place there for his family. He he not only secures a place, but the king gives him that city Ziklag. And one of the things that we discussed last week was that the king wasn't really giving him anything because Ziklag was a possession of Judah that was awarded to them by the Lord. And so all he was giving, all he was getting was what God had already given. And I want to tell you tonight that uh, I believe that we're coming into some things that already belong to us. Let me give you a little testimony. Uh, last week, um, we went to the mailbox, and we have been wrestling with, um, not really wrestling, but we were unaware of some things that concerned our property taxes. And I filled out some paperwork concerning those property taxes and was waiting to hear back from our county government concerning taxes that we had already paid that we felt that we were overpaid. Well, last week, come Friday, we got a nice check in the mail, and I was happy about it because they were giving me back some of the taxes. But I noticed that they were only giving back the taxes for a particular year. And then the following day, I go to the mailbox, and there's yet another check. These were monies that we had that paid out already, but um, that, but excuse me, but these were monies that we had paid out already, but that were due back to us, and God saw fit to give them back. And I, I know that I'm not the only one in that position. I believe that God is going to continue to to give back to us things that he has already given, that he has given us, that the devil has stolen. I think that, that God is restoring our fortunes right now, and that if we just would stand in faith and we would believe God, we can receive from God those things that he has promised us but have been stolen from us by the devil. So I want you to believe God this week. I want you to begin to 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 look, to look out and see what that that thing is that 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 belongs to you, and make the decisions necessary. Be bold enough to go before God. Be bold enough to to go to Him and say, and and, and go take back what the devil has stole. I think we're going to see some things. Tonight, uh, where or last week, we saw some things where David acted in faith. And this week, we get a chance to see the how, what Saul does in the face of the enemy. Amen? So with that said, let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into, um, we're going to dive deep into chapter 28 because there's some some particularly interesting material that we'll go through tonight. And our prayer today is that you would learn, that you would learn from these things that we now, um, that we're now getting ready to experience and that you would, would, that you would go before the Lord and you would go and learn uh, and, and, and practice in faith 
the things that you learned tonight. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come, and we first ask that you would steady our minds. We're, our thoughts are a little bit scattered right now because we're trying to get on Periscope even as we talk, so our Periscope audience can listen in to the teaching tonight, and um, things are not working out with this computer. So we ask that in the name of Jesus that you would go before us and that you would solve these problems, these Internet problems that we're having because they are beyond me. I, we pray, Father, for all who are listening, for all who are, are, are studying along, that you would show them not only your word, but they would experience the teaching of the Holy Spirit even after this hour session is over. We pray in Jesus' name that this will be helpful in building up the body. We offer this teaching up in faith. Please lead us and guide us. Help us to explain and, and apply your word to our life uh, in our contemporary setting. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as always, um, it is my responsibility and privilege to take a little time out and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is very, very simple. And the gospel simply means the good news. The good news that I have for you is that um, you don't have to be lost in your sins, that you don't have to be an enemy of God. You know, sin makes us an enemy of God. And God took care of that on Calvary through his son, Jesus Christ. Sin has a penalty. And the Bible teaches that the wages of sin are death. And so many walk around today dead in their sins. They walk around um, with a debt that they have to pay to God. They walk around literally estranged from God, disconnected from God because of their sin. Sin separates us from God. And what God did because he loves us so much is he said, I don't want to be separated from my creation. And so we've got to deal with this sin. What he did was he sent his son Jesus to die for all of mankind to pay that penalty for sin. You see, because sin entered into the world by Adam, and sin is dealt with by one, Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, he paid for the sin of all mankind. And so now those of us who believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for our sins, those who confess their sins and, and repent of them and ask Jesus to become their Savior, to become their Lord, those people, having asked, receive Jesus into their hearts and they receive eternal life from Jesus Christ. They receive a relationship with the Father. Now they become connected to him. Now they become the sons of God through the work on the cross done by Jesus. 
And we ask you tonight that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you want the gift that God has prepared for you, uh, if you want to be connected to God, if you want to be counted as a son or daughter of God, then tonight we implore you to give your life to Jesus. And so how do I give my life to Jesus? Simple. You ask him. You just say something as simple as, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I want to be saved. I believe that you are the son of God, and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my Lord. I repent of my sins, and now I'm looking to you. I'm looking unto you to help me. I thank you that I'm now the son of God. I thank you that now I'm a daughter of God. And I bless you. I I, I praise you. And then if you pray that prayer, and you pray it from your heart, sincerely, God saves you. Jesus enters your life. And he begins to walk with you. But now the the process goes even further. You really need to learn what salvation is all about. You really need to. And so you need to connect with your local church or a Christian who, who can help you uh, really understand salvation. And so you what you can do is, is go to a local church, a local pastor, um, a Christian friend, somebody that you know you know of that you can trust, and tell them what you've done, and they'll get you connected uh, with the church. They'll begin to help you study the scriptures and learn and and learn what this salvation and being a Christian is all about. But more than any, but more than all of the additional learnings that you have to do. It all begins with you trusting God. So why don't you do that tonight? If you'd like to talk to me a little bit about it, you can call me at 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304, and, and we'll spend some time probably with, after this show is over uh, talking about salvation with you. That's 929-477-2304. We um we um are now ready to move to our scripture for tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to First Samuel chapter twenty eight. And as I said earlier, um we were in the process we uh last week we saw what David was up to down in the land of Gath, how he was conducting raids and taking the land back for for Israel, and how he was just doing this wonderful thing for God, uh, basically um, completing the work that Joshua and um, and and uh, that and Judah had not done in subduing the land. David, we call that segment the undercover brother. David was working undercover, and he was going out and taking and still taking God, care of God's business, even while he was under the rule of the enemy. 
So let's go to, um, so let's continue, and we've got to change the pace tonight because we leave David and we go back to Saul. And I'm at 1 Samuel chapter 28, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, you must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. David said, then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achis replied, very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. So, as we look at these first verses of chapter 28, we find that David has been commanded to march with the Philistines under the king of Gath into battle against Israel. David's in a tough place, but he answers, you'll see what your servant can do. He never says that he's going to do it. He just says, you see, you'll see what your servant can do. Now, we'll never know. Well, let, let, let me not spoil this chapter by doing that. Saul, on the other hand, sees the Philistines getting ready to come out in battle, and his first reaction is that of fear and terror, because while David has a connection with God in the presence of the enemy, Saul is disconnected from God. What can we learn here? What can we learn here? One of the things that we can learn is how important it is to stay connected to God. And how do we stay connected to God? Well, first of all, we stay connected to our Lord by always being in prayer. And when I say being in prayer, I don't mean uh, those daily times when we go before the Lord and order him around. I don't mean those times when we go before the Lord and begin to just thank him for all that he's done. I mean doing all of that and then sitting before the Lord, searching and seeking out his will. 
Being connected with God requires that we learn how to search out his will. And the way that we that the will of God is revealed is through prayer, studying his word, and following hard after the instructions received by the Holy Ghost. Just just that phrase alone, that sentence alone. Just sit down and ask yourself a question. When was the last time that I sat down and sought the Lord for his will? When was the last time when I I, I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Which way do you want me to go? Lord, how can I serve you? You see, so oftentimes we, we, we're almost like autobahns or something. One of these, we go, through, we go through our life mechanically, and we go through our life in what I want to call a very willful manner. We're not necessarily searching out the will of God. We're not necessarily looking for the way of God. We are looking for our way to execute our will in such a way that, and I'm going to talk about the good Christians now, in such a way that it is acceptable to God, according to us. Think that through for a second. But many of us actually took the time to um, literally seek out before we did anything. How many of us got out on our knees this morning and say, Thy way, O Lord, thy will, O Lord, not mine. Thy will be done in my life today, O Lord, not mine. I surrender myself to you today. Fill me with your spirit. Take control of my life and have me do that which is pleasing to you. I am delighted, O oh God, that you have chosen me to serve you in whatever capacity. If it's sitting on the street corner with a homeless person and trying to get him to eat a sandwich, if it's, if it's going uh, next door to my neighbor and for no reason, only because you compel me to, even though the neighbor has let everybody in the neighborhood know that they don't like me, to tell them, oh, God bless you, and I'm just praying for you today. Is it going to the, the lady in the cubicle next to you and saying, hey, I understand your, your, your daughter is having some problems. Do you mind if I pray for her? Being led of God to do the will of God. Saul, Saul's not doing that. Saul's not doing it because Saul is Saul. And I'm wondering, if, if doing this study, how many of us saw the Saul that is within us? Oh, wow. Because I, I, I I've had some Saul moments. I've had some moments where I had to look at my own disobedience and my own disconnection. 
and say, ooh, I'm acting like Saul. I had some moments where I discovered that I was being faithless rather than faithful. And I said, ooh, I'm acting like Saul and not like David. I've had some moments where I've been stalked by some things that have been chasing me all my life that I thought I was free from. And I've had to turn around and I've had to, had to, as they say, use my faith. And I'm asking you tonight, has God placed you in the refiner's fire? And as he's placed you in this refiner's fire, like we keep talking about David is in, has some of, have some of those things bubbled up from within you? I know when they, they bubble up from within me, I was troubled and I was upset with myself because I thought I was better than that. But then I began to praise God because God was dealing with some stuff that I didn't have the capacity to deal with because I didn't even know it was still there. And I bless him for the refiner's fire for exposing that and not allowing me to get into this position that Saul is now in because I can go to God and we can go to God and we can confess our sins to God as he exposes them to us. We can confess those sins and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. But Saul has gotten him to a place in himself into a place because he has rejected the word of God. He's rejected the will of God. He's rejected the way of God. Saul is now in a place where he can't get a prayer through. Oh, I thought he was in bad shape just being crazy. But now Saul can't get a prayer through to God because God has left him. God's spirit left him. But have you, can you imagine how it feels to have God to turn his back on you? Can you imagine crying out to God and saying, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Where you at, Lord? Where you at, Lord? And not get any answer? The silence of God, in my opinion, is much more terrifying, much more terrifying than any enemy army could ever be. Because I know even in the face of the enemy, even in the face of the enemy, when I got, when I got God on my side, oh, I'm in the game. But when I look at, 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 at no God, I go to the priest and I said, check, look, look, we need to hear from God. Get the Urim and the Thurim and, and t- cast them. And they don't come up. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm in trouble. Saul realizes the trouble that he's in because according to uh, verse 6, he inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Samuel's dead. So he can't go to Samuel. They done buried him. 
there's your prophet, Saul. You were going to do it your way. You built a monument to yourself. You ignored the Lord concerning the Malachites. You've been chasing David all over the place unlawfully and have not even considered what God has said to you, him who anointed you to be king, what you got to say now. As you listen to me tonight, I got a question to ask you. Have you allowed yourself to be be disconnected from God? Have you placed yourself in a position where the Lord is silent concerning you? The one thing that Saul never did was he never repented. He never confessed his sins. I'm here to tell you tonight that if you can identify with Saul, you're not lost. You are not lost at all. Mm-mm. All you need to do tonight is you need to go to the Lord. And you need to get down on your knees. And you need to open up your heart and unburden yourself. You know the Lord will forgive you. And that's what he's been waiting to do all along. But Saul never does this. God, is, God sent Jesus to open up a way for us to come to him. Now, he knew already all of the mistakes that we would make, knew every last one of them. He knew that we were going to mess up and then mess up and mess up some more. But in his infinite wisdom, what God does for his people is he makes a way for us to come back to him. And we come back through confession and repentance. We come back because the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what he's waiting for you to do tonight. But instead of when Saul is disappointed because God's not talking to him, when Saul fails to confess his sin before the Lord and repent, Saul is further driven away from the presence of God. He's got no intermediary. There's no Samuel there to intercede for him. There's no true prophet there to minister to him. The only one that was ever able to get calm Saul down when he was having one of his crazy fits was David, and he's driven David from the land. Saul stands there naked before God and afraid and terrified, the leader of Israel. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring me up for me 
one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. When Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Now, for some of you, this is a very, very difficult passage because we are dealing in an area that some don't acknowledge, that some can't imagine, and that many don't understand. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that my knowledge concerning this area is very limited. And I'll tell you, I do know that according to the word of the Lord, that there is a place where souls go waiting for judgment. Now, this place uh, we, we, we hear about this place on a number of occasions. This is just one, but we hear about this place. Jesus talks about um, Dives. He says when Dives is with Abraham and um, uh, 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 the rich ruler is in the place of torment. We also hear about it when the Bible says that Jesus descended into the earth, and he took captivity captive. We also hear in Revelations that there's a place around the throne where the souls of the martyrs are waiting for vindication. When, and you know the scene where it says, how long, O Lord, how long? That scene. So there, first of all, we, um, and then there's the fact that um, the thief on the cross, where he says, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So there's a place where souls go prior to resurrection. And, and, and think about this for a second. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we'll, we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. For the dead in Christ will rise first, and those that remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. So when we leave this earth, our bodies are deposited into the ground, but our spirits go elsewhere awaiting their, their final determination. Those of us who die saved go to be with the Lord but we're not going directly to the kingdom.
kingdom of God because that has not come down yet. There's there's something in there's a there's a place where we're waiting. There's a place where we're waiting, and some of us will be waiting in a good place, and others of us will be waiting in a place not so good for our final determination and destination. And here we see that Saul is in the place of the dead. It is his spirit that's there. So what does this do? What does this tell us besides that? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, it should emphasize the fact that there is a part of you. The inner man in you belongs to God. And that's where we really need to spend more time. If we spend as much time working on our inner man as we do our outer man, now think about this, because sometimes some of us, we say we ain't got time for God, but yet um, we can go in that bathroom and we can stay in that bathroom for an hour or more getting our outer man ready to present to the world while our inner man is starving. We can spend an hour, hour and a half. Uh, we can spend half the day Saturday shopping for clothes and running back and forth to the cleaners and getting our hair done and getting our nails and feet done. And going to, and we go to church all prepared on the outside on Sunday, but during the entire week, we haven't spent any time doing anything with the inside. We haven't prayed. We, if we, if we did good, we did, we did, we read a couple of passages in our daily, our daily bread. But how many of us have sat down and just spent that thirty minutes with God every day? Just thirty minutes. We get home and we got, and I know we're busy. But are we too busy to really take care of ourselves, to really take care of our eternal self, that which will not be left in the grave, but that which one day will appear before the Lord? There's something for us to think about there. And Saul, now he's, Saul didn't think about that. Saul was so busy taking care of that outer man and working off that flesh and doing the things from his flesh that now he is in a world of trouble. He's been utterly rejected, and he's forced to consort with a witch. We dealt with uh, witches earlier on in our study. We dealt with that spirit of manipulation that didn't want to take it the way that God gave it to us, but instead chose to work in a manipulative fashion to get what they wanted. That is witchcraft. And witchcraft proceeds from rebellion. What do you mean it, what do you mean rebellion? When we reject the word of God, when we reject the way of God, when God comes to us and tells us this is what I want you to do, if we don't do what he says, we're being rebellious. This is in rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. Because you are literally fighting against God. You have placed yourself in a no-win situation. Lord, I'm not fighting you. I might do some stuff wrong, and I might be stupid. I might not be able to read my name in box colors, but I declare I'm going to try my best to always understand what it is that you're saying and try to do that, whether I like it or not. 
And that's the attitude that, look, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Jesus goes to, Jesus goes to God and says, is there another way we could do this thing? Can this cup pass from me? But yet he humbles himself and he gets and he says, nevertheless. And some some of us we think, well, okay, well, in the big stuff, I get to nevertheless. No, you don't have to get to the nevertheless that way. Nevertheless, everything until you get to until it becomes a habit for you. Look, I'm just gonna do what the Lord say do. I know it's right. I might not like it. It might be painful. It might be tough on me. It might cause people to talk about me. It might cause me to get left out. But this is the will of God. And if I am going, if I presented myself a living sacrifice, if I presented myself and said I'm going to do the will of God, then whatever you say, Lord, that's what I'm doing. Give me the strength to understand and just do it. I want to move by faith in you because I want to please you. And the word says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so even if I don't understand, even if I don't like it, by faith, I'm doing it. That's where we have to get to. Saul never got that place, and he winds up going back to the devil, seeking God's plan. He wanted to know what God wants. He said, look, I need to find out the plan of God. I want, I want, I want to find out. I want to inquire of him. I want to talk to him. But Saul is at the place where God said, oh, look, I'm not, I'm not talking. That doesn't save you. Oh, the very thought of that. <laughs> Just like, no, Lord, please. Don't do this. Uh-uh. No, I'm going to do what you say do. And I know right now there's somebody lifting up their hands to the Lord and saying, me too, me too, me too. Bless the Lord tonight. So he goes looking for Samuel. Because he can't find the Lord. How would you like to be Samuel? Now you waiting. You like, you're waiting. And you're like, I got it. I, I serve the Lord. I'm off the scene. I mean, here, here's how I like to think about it. Samuel has done everything he wanted to do. He's someplace chilling, feet up, waiting on, you know, next move, the next move of God. And all of a sudden, somebody come up to him and say, Samuel. They, they they need you up front. What do you mean they need me up front? I ain't in this no more. I'm absent from the body. They need you up front. You got to get up and go see what they want. The Lord tells you that what you want. Mm, I can't even get midway between earth and heaven without being drugged back into this mess. Who is it that's looking for me? Look at what the scripture says. Samuel said to Saul, I'm at verse 15, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. You wasn't calling on Samuel. And you weren't listening to him when he told you what to do the last time. Now all of a sudden, all of that good smartness and all of your omni king and all of your throwing spears at people then caught up with your behind. All of your disobedience and arrogance then caught up with you. 
Now all of the, and you you messed around and you slid all the way down to the witchcraft. It's done caught up with you, and you want to go disturb him. Mm, that about nothing. So look, go to verse sixteen. Samuel said, "Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? Do you realize?" What Samuel just said, that the man who he anointed to be king is now his enemy? Do you not realize that God, when you, when you, when you turn your back on God, when you rebel against God, you side with the devil. Do you realize what Saul has done? Saul signed up to go with the devil. When you reject the word of God, that's just like signing a contract with the devil. When you walk in disobedience, you're signing a contract with the devil. When you get a word from the Lord, I mean, because sometimes the Lord sends words through, very, through, uh, through his word, through his spirit, through the, your preacher. When God sends you a word and you reject it, and I'm talking about a word you know that's from the Lord. Let me give you one an example, quick example. I'll give you one. So, God has given, blessed you with a voice to sing praises unto him. And he has anointed you to sing in your local choir. And you don't like the fact that uh, Tuesday night rehearsal don't fit your schedule. Because on Tuesday night, for all of your life, you've been bowling or you've been got some special shows or Tuesday night is your hangout night with your buddies. And But the Lord calls you away from your program, your comfort, your thing, and says, I have anointed you to be a part of the local choir, and I want you to sing in that choir. And you, you say, no, I ain't singing in the choir because they have choirs on, on Tuesday night. You realize you just rebelled against the word of the Lord. Now he said, go sing in the choir. You said, you, I mean, just Sunday morning, I'll go, I'll go. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can, oh, you, you sang it, you, you waved your hands, and he said, okay, I want to use you. I'm anointing you to go sing in the choir. And you said, not on Tuesday night. That's called rebellion. You see, we're always looking for the big stuff. And it's, a, it's all them little bitty things. And he said, what the word say? It's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. Look, I work hard on my yard. Work hard on my yard. And I noticed that it was some activity that I didn't understand. Little holes start popping up all over the place. And the next thing I know, the grass started looking crazy. 
and I'm putting weeding feed out there, and I'm mowing, I'm watering, and the grass is looking worse and worse and worse. And finally, I got down on my knees and looked, and there were some holes down in there. And I went and looked on the Internet, and they said they were ground squirrels. And I finally saw one of them little bad fellas. And they were about, they, they, they couldn't have been no more than four or five inches long, maybe two inches wide. Looked pretty, but they was tearing my stuff Little bitty things. Same way with your life. It's the, that little bitty disobediences that go join together to tear your life up. It's that little disobedience that begins to just unravel everything that the that the Lord wants. That takes you away from the promise. That he that takes you out of the plan. That has you walking, not in His will, not in His way, but in something that you decide. That's rebellion. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place on Tuesday night when you're supposed to be in the choir. Next thing you know, you might be doing, uh, if, if, if you're down in the bowling alley, bowling when you're supposed to be singing. And there's nothing wrong with bowling, by the way. Nothing at all. I spent a lot of days in the bowling alley. But you, next thing you know, there's an emptiness inside of you. And you're trying to get that emptiness feel, so you go from the bowling alley to the bar in the bowling alley. And you spend an extra half hour in that bar in the bowling alley on a Tuesday night, and that half an hour leads to an hour, and you're steady looking for that fun, and you're steady looking for that thing that you want so much. And the next thing you know, you ain't got no job because you missed too many Wednesdays having stayed up too late on Tuesdays at the bowling alley. It's just little bitty things. All the devil got to do is get you off the path and out of the way of God and get you to rebel against the will of God. And boy, once he gets you walking down that alley, he greased that thing up and it's like going down a slide. And before you know it, you're so deep in a ditch and you're looking for a tow truck to get you out and tow trucks don't come down that street. That's what's happened to Saul. His life is in ruin. He's, the enemy is about to overwhelm him. He's trying to do it his own way when God won't answer him when he wants to be answered. So he goes and gets with a witch. And he finds it and he and Saul and Samuel comes to answer him. Because Saul is now the enemy of God. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. Saul, remember that prophecy I gave you? long while back, you didn't think I knew what I was talking about. But look, it's coming to pass now. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. Look, God didn't throw a rocket at Saul and hide his hand. God let it be known to Sam. I'm doing this. I told you what I was going what I was going to do. You have done everything you can to prevent David from getting the kingdom. You've been fighting against me more than you fought against the enemies of Israel. You've been trying to kill David so my word wouldn't come to pass. And I got good news for somebody. 
The word of the Lord is sure. The word of the Lord is a strong tower. The word of the Lord does not return void, but will accomplish what he sent it out to do. And the word for, for David was that he would be king. The word for Saul was that he wasn't going to be king and that he was going to pay the price for his disobedience. Look, at, Remember what he said? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And look what he's doing. Saul is practicing witchcraft. Before it was just disobedience. Now he's practicing witchcraft. Let me keep, let me get through because I'm gonna run out of time if I don't go it on. Because you did not obey the Lord, I'm at verse eighteen. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Now, there's a little comfort in there. There's a little bit of comfort in there. And he just told him, you and your sons are going to die. At this time tomorrow, you don't have to send for me because you're going to be with me in that place where the spirits go to as they await their final disposition. You're going to be here. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he'd eaten nothing all that day and night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him, and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fatted calf at the house, which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night, they got up and left. Saul is terrified at the word that he receives from Samuel, and he just literally falls out. He falls out not because he is sorrowful. He falls out because he's scared. He falls out because he realizes that the word of the Lord is going to be accomplished and come upon him quickly. Tonight I want to just end the session by just reminding you that the day of the Lord will come upon us as a thief in the night. We don't know the day nor the hour. But it behooves us at all times to be prepared as the song says, to keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Jesus asked the question of the disciples in the midst of the storm. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Tonight is one of those nights where 
We don't celebrate what happened to Saul. We look at ourselves. Tonight is the night where we have to look at ourselves. What is it that we need to repent of? What are we doing that is causing us to exhibit rebellious behavior? Are, are we doing something that's troubling, that, that, that is disobedient? Are we really walking with the Lord, or are we hoping that he walking with us because we're going the way that we want to go? There is a way that seems right on the man, but the end is thereof is death and destruction. Are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? We see what the Lord has promised to Saul. We see where Saul's life has gone, a life that was so filled with promise, a life that was so full, that 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 could have been filled with expectation. We see what he has done with his life by disobeying the Lord and how he ends up in frustration. What's going to happen with you? What will happen? What do, what do you believe? Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. Having looked at this chapter and seen what's going to happen to Saul according to your word, and we look at ourselves, and right now, we, we ask that you would search and research us. If there's anything that be not like you, we ask that you expose it so we can confess it and have it removed. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, look upon your servants. We ask for forgiveness for sins known and unknown, for transgressions. It says, blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Oh, bless us by covering our sins and washing them away with the blood of Jesus. Forgive every disobedience. Forgive every rebellion. Father, tonight we rebuke the rebellious spirit that seems to always plague and drive us. Release upon us, oh God, of the spirit of faith. Strengthen us in the areas of obedience. Strengthen us in your word that we might know what to do and be instant in obedience. God, how we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's our lesson for the night. I ask that you reread and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you into all truth in your life. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. This has been the word on Wednesday with Pastor Winfred Burns.